What is up, Wrench Lifers? Meet Tober, week two. Let's go. Anyway, this week's podcast, like I said, Meet Tober, week two, real straightforward. We're going to go over section one, what I ate, what I did. Section two, uh, mindful moments, or something new. Section three will be generally how I thought, how I felt during the time frame uh, this week. I'll check my notes on my phone because I note stuff when I feel a certain way. And section four will end with a food rule, the tip, the typical ordeal. You know how it goes. So I'm going to get in here the phone, go into my week two album, and here we go. Meatober, week two. What I ate, what I felt. Let's do this. I will be putting these images up here on the right side of the screen. Here we go. Number one, uh, 10, 6, 12, 45 p.m., 17.35 hours fasting. That is a nice steak. Looks like there's two or three eggs. A um, little bit of mushed up something in there. Some bacon and a little bit of cheese. Good one. Uh, moving along. Later that day, 10, 6, 7, 15 p.m. We got a bowl of junk. So that's all that pulled pork. I mean, sorry, pulled beef mix, some eggs in there. Like a little bit of everything. Uh, I was at work. That day, let's see. I did a little bike ride after work, looks like. Oh, no, before work. Um, oh, no, it looks like I rode to work. Um and then did a little loop after work seven miles in just to get some activity in. Uh, seven seven. Uh, twelve thirty seven p.m. Seventeen hours fasting. Typical breakfast there. So there's that pulled uh, beef mix. That was from the oxtail and the uh, ribs and everything. There's a big chunk of white crap in there. Yuck. Looks like there's about four eggs there. Uh, beef bacon. Some cheese. That's uh, pretty typical breakfast. It's gonna get redundant. Uh, here's a video, <laughs> nice, of me flipping over a fat London Royal I had for dinner that day. And let's look at the meal. Uh, 7.10, 8.15 p.m., 1.2 pound London Royal and an avocado, some sharp cheddar and provolone. I started noting what I ate in these images to make it uh, a little bit easier. Um, yeah, that London Royal is pretty good. Marinated London Royal from McCann's Meats. It was quite delicious. Um, following morning, a little bit earlier here, 10, 8, 11, 45 p.m., 15.5 hours fasting, three eggs, beef bacon, uh, liver, mixed organ, uh, beef shoulder, and bone broth. The dog food. Did we talk about the dog food last week? I'll get to that later. Um, then I played disc golf that day. Nice little picture here. Beautiful out there. Fall. Pumpkin spice. Wow. Um, let's see, 10, 8, 4.30 p.m., uh, two beef and bacon burgers with, uh, provolone and sharp cheddar, two eggs, light dinner. I was definitely not satisfied for that meal, so a little bit later at, let's see, an hour later, 5.30, I ate some more of that pulled beef mix from the oxtail and rib. Wow, I ate again that day. I will talk about this, the hunger stuff. Uh, 10, 10 p.m., that's super late. Uh, pork bacon, uh, organ patty, uh, egg, and a little bit of the beef. Just kind of a little bit of everything. Following morning, here we go. 
Went out for a bike ride. This is good. Oh, yeah, I went ham here. So this is a 10.5-mile ride. I did wear my heart rate monitor. It says 480 calories. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, look at those heart rate numbers right there. Boom. So the second half of the ride, I was hammering, dude. Um, that was a – for 13 minutes, I was hammering. So basically, it looks like I was floating about 165 to 170 beats per minute for 13 minutes. Uh, yeah, I will talk about that again a little bit later in the uh, in the show about the uh, how I felt when I was riding. 10-9, 1 p.m., 15.5 hours fasting. The fasting window is a little bit shorter here because I ate late the previous night. But this is a nice breakfast right here. Three eggs, uh, a brevet steak beef bacon, uh, a little bit of liver, organ patty, and some sharp cheddar. The brevet steak is actually the uh, the oblique, right? The oblique? Yeah, the oblique muscle of a cow. It's really good. I like it. Uh, then, look at this. Boom. Meatballs. Made these meatballs. I've been eating a bunch of these. Um, those meatballs are two pounds. Well, I mean, there's a lot of them, but when I made them, I made two pounds of grass-fed ground beef, two pounds of venison, and about one pound of the mixed organ dog food meat. Uh, and five eggs and a bunch of seasoning. So here we go at 4.15 that evening. I took all the crumbles and bits and pieces that fell off the the uh, meatballs in this little bowl. I just ate that. So that's that ground beef venison organ crumbles, I guess you could say. Continuing along uh, that night, right? Yep. 9.20, kind of a late time to eat. Half an avocado, uh, another brevet steak, and then I made burgers out of that same ground beef mix, organ, deer, whatever. They're fucking awesome. Uh, also, that sharp provolone I was putting on the burgers really cuts through. It's awesome. Following morning, look at that shit, bro. 1 p.m., 15.5 hours fasting, beef bacon, four eggs, one Super Bowl. The Super Bowl will be the term I'm using for those mixed meatballs. Uh, and some pulled beef mix, and that was, I think, what was left over from the oxtail rib. Boom, dinner. Mm! 6.30 p.m. Beef bacon, two Super Balls, one Super Burger, and a steak. It's a, a strip steak. Not from McCann's, from the local grocer. Not bad, though. Delish. Uh, later, I was still hungry. 7.45, ate three more Super Balls. Now we get to Sunday morning. Went out, got a nice bike ride. Look at that picture out in the fall. Wow, cool. Here's my ride. 5.5 miles, 430 calories. Nothing crazy, just out there doing my thing Sunday morning. It was nice. I was alone. Uh, here's the heart rate on that ride. So nothing crazy. You can see while riding, I could get down into like 100, 110 beats per minute while cruising. And then you know, I guess on some of the hill climbs you see there, I get up to about 140. 50 in heart rate but generally i mean that's a 125 heart rate for a mountain bike ride with 600 feet elevation so i'm in pretty good condition cardio is good now sunday look at this meal mm -mm. 150 p.m 18 hours fasting oh no so this would be yeah, yeah sunday so that ride was in the fasting state Pulled beef, steak, four eggs, bacon, sharp cheddar. That plate is loaded up. That is awesome. That was pork bacon, um, not beef bacon. Um, and then I ended up riding that day. Here's actually a little bit of a video. I'm going to show this video. 
boom, 360, switch 360. That was one try, to be honest. Uh, here's me uh, helping this girl learn the skate, so I did that in the morning. Uh, here's me falling on this five cab. This trick probably took me maybe about 20 minutes. Here's, here's a clip from my disc golf. Wow, backhand. Pretty decent. Little manual here, pop in, ice pick. This clip took about three tries. Uh, honestly, very sweaty when I was filming these clips. Just another four, I just mixed in these disc golf clips, because why not? I probably rode for about 45 minutes in BMX here. Try after try, no break, super sweaty. Kind of sore in the morning, but definitely some caloric burn there. You know, it's always fun. And here's the manual 180. That took me a good 10 tries. But I was pretty, pretty sweaty after all that, so. Probably more effort in that 45 minutes of riding than possibly in that 5-mile bike ride. Um, oh, here's this clip of the heart. I made beef heart. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so here's my dinner Sunday night, looks like. Steak, two balls, pulled pork, a little bit of cheese. Oh, there we go. There's the heart in the crock pot. And then the following morning, made a scramble. So super scramble, five eggs, everything. So, I mean, everything there is, there's some of that pulled beef in there. There's a bunch of the heart. There's a bunch of, there's just like everything. There's bacon in there. There's organ mix in there. I mean, literally just everything in there with, I think, five eggs. Yeah, five eggs. Pretty good. And, uh, well, there's me ripping a bomb yesterday. It's a 411 foot throw. Yeah, 415. Not bad. Uh, this was yesterday. So later that day, I was in Syracuse all day. So I brought some balls here. It looks about about five Super Bowls. I ate those 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, before that, I played two rounds of disc golf, 5.1 miles of walking. I don't know how five miles of walking says it's 900 calories, but six miles of mountain biking is four. Who knows how these apps work? Then last night, I rode again. Bay Park West, um, here it is, uh, hot lap, 6.5 miles, 493 calories, I was freaking ripping, I got this KOM, by KOM it means you're the fastest person to ever ride that, that's about 5 minutes, full bore, I did have my heart, did not have the heart rate monitor on for this ride, but I was definitely, I was up there, like I was really up there, and I will talk about that experience a little bit later in the show, and then last night for dinner I had... At 7.15, heart and junk, four eggs, beef bacon. Um, I had a bunch of cheese with this, too. Uh, heart and junk is because what I made in, the, in the, the, the heart. It's just all the gunk and crap and fat and everything. I just ate all of it. So there's everything I ate, everything I did, all my activities for the most part, uh, all my meals, all my calories, every single thing I ate. It's been 12 days, no sugar, no carbs, no plants, aside from the half an avocado this week i did miss fish i didn't have my fish this week but i am having fish later today so there it is week two meattober done moving on section two mindful moments so this one's going to be a little bit different, actually. Pretty excited about this 
this is like, it's kind of a mindful moment, but kind of not. I was reading the book I was reading. Sometimes I make bookmarks of pertinent things. And over the past week or so, there was an instance where there was a quote. And the book, I thought, was great. And I thought about it and thought about it and reflected on it. And it's, it's kind of a mindful moment. It's not necessarily mindfulness, but it's something that I think is worthwhile uh, bringing some of my time uh, reading into the podcast. So I'm going to play this clip and I'm going to talk about it briefly uh, just so we can talk about it because I think it's pertinent, right? Okay, play it. Cool and candid people will at once reflect that the purest of human blessings must have a portion of alloy in them, that the choice must always be made, if not of the lesser evil, at least of the greater, not the perfect good, and that in every political institution a power to advance the public happiness involves a discretion which may be misapplied and abused. Wow. So that is, I believe, Hamilton from the Federalist Papers, and I believe it's Federalist Paper 42. Man, that's crazy that that is written so long ago, and it's so pertinent now. So let's break that quote down. Uh, So the first half, cool and candid people will at once reflect. The purest of human blessings must have a portion of alloy in them. That is, man, that's deep. No one is 100% pure. Um, and if you don't know what alloy is, an alloy is like if, you, if you're, it's, it's a metal term. When you have metals, you put a little alloy in it. It could be any other metal, and then it makes a mix. So like, like brass is what? Brass is like copper and tin or something. So that, that right off the bat, we're saying all of human blessings have alloy in them. Intentions are never pure. They can be close to pure, but there's always a little bit in there. There's always a little bit up to question. There's always a little bit up to interpretation. No one is pure as the white snow. This just doesn't exist. Next section. That the choice must always be made, if not of the lesser evil, at least of the greater, not the perfect good. So we reiterate the point there. Uh, the choice needs to be made not of the lesser a- lesser evil, but of the greater and not perfect good. Kind of the same point, but I liked what he says the first half. Not of the lesser evil, but of the greater good. I mean, there's a good way to frame that, like especially if you're looking at our our, our situation right now. Uh, Biden, Trump, or even Biden or Trump, Hillary. Like, I'm not going to vote for the lesser evil. That's something I've said a million times. But to frame it differently, like, no, I will vote for the greater good. I will not vote for the lesser evil. That is taking a, a, a stance of of optimism, right? If you say I won't vote for the lesser evil, you're saying what's the first thing you say? I won't vote versus saying I'll choose the greater good. I won't versus I will choose. I won't versus I will. I won't versus I will. So there's that. It's a little bit of optimism, a little positivity. Uh, it's it's inferring, you know, the, the implicit assumption here is that action will always trump inaction, right? Not a lesser evil, but of the greater good. 
Because if you vote, vote as a lesser evil, you're just abstaining, and then it doesn't matter, right? Moving along. And that in every political institution, a power to advance the public happiness involves a discretion which may be misapplied and abused. In every political institution, the power to advance the public happiness involves a discretion which may be misapplied and abused. So now he says, with every discretion. Every discretion. So, we preface that by saying, by implying inaction is worse than action. So you're saying you should vote for the greater good, or you should act toward the greater good and not simply stand by for the lesser evil, right? Then he's saying, well, everything can be misapplied or can be abused. So let's step back. No, no intention is perfect and pure. You're better acting than inacting. And then lastly, everything can be misapplied or abused, which is the alloy he speaks about in the earlier part, which is that paradox between the lesser evil, greater good. I think this quote is phenomenal in saying, like, because people will be like, oh, well, I wouldn't, I, this candidate's bad because he's going to do this with that. And you're like, yeah, he could. But they could do that with this. Anyone can 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 skew and, and, and construe the powers. Anything that can be used for gain can be used for, I mean, I guess their gain versus your gain, really. Who said it? I think Franklin said it. Like a, a government big enough to give you everything you want can take away everything, everything you have, right? Something like that. So... I mean, I probably didn't do the best job. I really shot this off the cuff. I should have wrote something down to get through this. But that quote is so good. I mean, it applies to more than just politics. But like I said, nothing is perfectly pure, and you need to accept that. Uh, strive for the greater good, not the lesser evil. And know that when you when when you when you make when you take a positive action, there's always going to be a way that it can be used negatively. And that should not be a motivating factor for you to abstain from doing something, for you to be passive. In order to be assertive in life, in action, you have to choose the greater good. You have to understand that there's going to be alloy, and, and, and you have to do your best and assume that other people will do their best. And if they don't, you can criticize them for that, I guess. That's like a different kind of mindful moment. That's like a, like a, a complex, like, holy crap, that was dense. Probably didn't do a great job. Feel free to let me know uh, what you thought of my job doing that and if you learned anything or if you have any questions. And then, lastly, we're going to go on to section three. How I felt during Meet-tober. Great. All right. We're going to go over my activities. Um... So back there on um, on Friday when I did that ride, right, Friday morning. So I said I did 13 minutes, had 165 beats per minute, 170 beats per minute. Uh, pretty interesting experience. Um, the fastest time on that section of trail was 310-ish. And I am completely capable of doing faster than that. Like I was thinking I would get under 13, 
thinking I'd do 10 seconds faster than the previous person. Granted, that person probably used it on a cyclocross bike and I'm on a mountain bike, but whatever, uh, I know what I'm capable of. Now, when I did this ride, I mean, I was I was tough. It was tough. I was struggling. I was on the struggle bus. It was... I was fucking battling to get through that. I didn't give up. I definitely slowed toward the end, but I think basically what we're at is my body is mostly adjusted to the no sugar thing, but there are instances where I'm feeling it. Um, and in that instance, it seems like for me to really push cardio and muscular endurance to that level in a fasting state is hard. Uh, it's like the burner's not turned all the way up. I just don't have the juice I know I should have. Later in the days, I feel significantly uh, more power. It's not about energy. Like mentally, I feel awake, alert. I feel great. But when I just try to put the hammer down, it's like the fuel's just not burning this hot. Like I'd have no problem like going out for a 50-mile ride just cruising. But when I try to drop the hammer, really struggling. Um, now, Sunday morning, was I was also in a fasting state on that ride. But I was not pushing it. I was cruising. I was having a good time. Mentally, I felt really good during that ride. Mentally, I felt really great in general. But just like really like zoned in on like everything. Kind of primal. I'll talk about the primal feeling in a minute. Nothing to really talk about there. And then this ride yesterday at Bay Park West with the KOM. So now this is later in the afternoon. I've been eating all day. Uh, definitely, noticeably more power. Sustained, it's there. Pretty similar to normal. I was probably pretty jazzed up. My time's reflected being that jazzed up. Uh, the, segment, the segment I crushed five minutes um I'd imagine the heart rate numbers were probably pretty similar, 170-ish, because I was going. Uh, I was, Dude, I was just ripping. I was ripping hard. I looked down on my Garmin, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm four seconds up on, on the time right now. And not really knowing what section it was, I just kept ripping. And uh, eventually, I'm like, I like literally stopped because I didn't know which way to turn and then kept going and climbed up the hill all the way out. As I got to the top, I hit the wall. Now, normally, in my normal diet and routine, I don't ever hit the wall. Now, I will preface, this segment was um, 140 feet of elevation from bottom to top to where that other day, that other ride, it was basically flat. So, this one, I, a lot more hills, a lot more energy, and when I'm doing a 13-minute se minute long section of trail, I'm pacing myself. I'm floating between, like, you know, 65 and 80 percent uh trying to pace this section i was pretty much going between 80 and 90 just trying to keep the hammer down and climbing up that hill three quarters up that hill i just hit the wall and normally when i hit the wall i can power through it i can look like 60 feet ahead of the trail and be like i'm getting to that point and just head down keep cranking and look up to that point i can get to that point <sighs> this time i don't know if it was if it was in the legs, in the lungs, uh, if it was like a lactic acid thing, if it was um, like without the blood, you know, without the sugar, any um, 
um, what's it called? Uh, glue, glue, glue. There's no glucose in the muscles anymore. Cause I haven't eaten sugar in two weeks. Uh, if maybe I just peeked out how how many how the effectiveness of the ketones in my blood. I don't really know enough about it. Maybe I needed to take deeper breaths. I'm not sure. I will experiment with this. But I got to the point, and I was fucking going slow, and it was tough. And I was trying so hard to make it to the end of the trail, and it was it was definitely hard. The first, uh, you know, four miles of that ride, I was just barreling through the woods. Most people I ride with would not have kept up with me for that whole ride. I was in the fucking zone. So it wasn't like I was fully energized because I was definitely burning. But again, six miles is not a super long ride. Pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't run this week. So, so there's definitely been some interesting energy and the use of energy and my body adjusting to it. Speaking um, about my body adjusting, there's been a hunger adjustment. Very fascinating. Week one, I felt like my hunger routine was kind of typical to what I normally eat. Then I had that low sugar event last week, and since then I haven't had no instances like that flat out at all. I felt fine. And I feel like my body has adjusted to the new fuel or at least is adjusting, and I feel good. I feel really good, and my hunger is steady, constant throughout the day, not, like, overwhelming. I eat these meals, and then, like, an hour later, I'm still hungry. Like, in the beginning, they were very satiating. I couldn't, I could not possibly eat more meat. I'd, like, look at it and be like, oh, this is so hard to finish. Now I'm eating everything and wanting to eat more, wanting to eat more. I think perhaps I may need to up my fat intake, so I'm starting to put a lot of butter and ghee on my stuff. And um, with the heart I made, I'll talk about it. I left all the fat in there. So I'm going to try to, this week, really focus on getting a lot, a lot, a lot of fats. Um, I may even put some butter in my coffee just to see if maybe if I up the fat intake, it will help with the hunger and with the performance. We'll see. I don't know. But the only real difference in how I feel is that the hunger is different. Let me go look at my notes in my phone to make sure I'm not missing anything on week two. Let's see, 7.30, 6.30, yawning, upset, panic, nauseous. Oh, that was this week, was it? Oh, my God. Oh, I got to talk about this. That's crazy. I thought that was the last week. Huh. When was the 7th? Man, I really should have planned out this podcast before I just fired it out. Okay, so last Wednesday, I had this low sugar event. I just mentioned it. I thought that was last week. So let me tell you what happened. I'm at work, starting to feel upset stomach, starting to feel nauseous. And it's getting worse and worse. Now I'm, I'm getting kind of cold. I'm like yawning like crazy. Like it's really interesting. I'm like yawning, tired, cold, nauseous, upset stomach. Like my body is clearly freaking out. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm on the phone with my mom and it's getting worse. And I'm like, I just got to go. And I'm thinking, well, I haven't eaten in a couple hours. You know, maybe this is right before that London broil steak. So I'm thinking, fuck, maybe I should eat. I don't know. And I'm, you know, I thought maybe I had to go to the bathroom. I tried to go to the bathroom. Didn't really change anything. Look it up. Basically, uh, what it sounds like is I was low, low, low insulin that you... You know, 
after being on an cont- entirely ketogenic diet for a while, um, you know, normally you're, you have sugar in your muscles, you have some sugar in your blood, it's kind of there, it's whatever. Uh, and then when you get to the lowest point of your blood sugar or insulin or whatever, uh, your body just knows, oh, I need this thing. It knows where to look for it. And it finds it and you seamlessly, like, you're fine. Nothing happens. Well, in this incident, because uh, of the carnivore stuff and the keto, I guess when I bottomed out on my insulin, there was no sugar to fill the gap. My body went looking for it, and they're like, it's like that John Travolta thing. And uh, the blood sugar just dropped, and I felt like crap. Um, Google it. That's what it told me. I was texting Phil. Um, and then crazy, super crazy. Like 20 minutes later, fine. Fine. Like I went from so nauseous I can't think about eating to London broil on the grill. Let's go. Good mood. High spirits. Really interesting. Um, and speaking of that, I've been in a great mood the whole time. Um, very. My temper feels a little bit short. But, like, generally, I'm in a great mood, and I feel good. Um, next note. I touched, talked to this already, 10-11. I noticed my appetite and hunger was surging. So that would be 10-11th. Uh, and then, let's see. I noted this this weekend. I feel primal. It's kind of hard to Like, I feel very comfortable with meat feel very primal like when i was riding i felt like i was like on the hunt like sometimes when you mountain bike you get in the zone and you're like like you're processing all the details in real time like Rrr. but i feel like that all the time i feel my vision feels sharper my brain feels clearer i feel more concise i feel more intent i feel i feel like primal um i crave the meats even more normally i've always been squeamish and touching meats and i just butchered that heart the other day and I'm just picking this thing up, lifting it up. I'm like, Ugh! like normally I'm like, I don't want to ever touch the meat. It's gross. But there's definitely something happening uh, mentally where I'm like being very comfortable with the meat. I love the meat. I want the meat. I'm not like squeamish about it anymore. I'm just grabbing it and like never been like that. So there's clearly something happening, some psychological primal hunter thing that's happening. Um, and it's sick. And let's see, what else are right here? I said, my body is adjusting. I feel great. <laughs> Come at me, is what I wrote. It's like exactly how I feel. I feel unbelievable. I feel like I'm glowing. It's quite incredible. Um, I can confidently say I'm not going to go completely back to how I used to eat. I will have to conduct more experiments with my diet to figure out if perhaps this is the... Um, alcohol didn't know alcohol or if it's in fact all if it's the ketosis or if it's the uh the reduction of all plant carbohydrates and phyto chemicals phytonutrients so i'll have to go back in later and maybe do a ketosis diet with vegetables and see how i feel but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it but generally i feel great um phil Said he had one little sugar bout. Same thing. Blew over pretty quickly. So, I mean, all in all, like, it's great. Feel great. Everything's great. 
no complaints. Bowel movements have been completely fine. Been drinking a lot of water. I do get thirsty from time to time. But that's about it. Nothing crazy. Um, and that's how I felt. And then the last section of the show today, we're going to give you a Michael Pollan food rule for you to take home. Bring it, take it to heart. Last time we did rule number nine. Now we're going to move on to rule number 10. This is Michael Pollan's food rules. Cute little book. Rule on one side. Sometimes there's an illustration. Sometimes there's not. But here we go. This is really short. I might even read the blurb. Rule 10. Avoid foods that are pretending to be something they are not. I mean, this this rule applies for people, too. <laughs> uh, so, avoid foods that are pretending to be something they are not. Imitation butter, a.k.a. margin, is a classic example. To make something like non-fat cream cheese that contains neither cream nor cheese requires an extreme degree of processing. Such products should be labeled as imitation and avoided. The same rule applies to soy-based mock meats, artificial sweeteners, and fake fats and starches that's great stuff right there back in the day when i was a kid if it wasn't what it actually was it had to be labeled imitation imitation butter imitation cheese imitation yogurt whatever you actually were not allowed to do that to like manipulate it and make it seem like it without being it and the food industry lobbied hard to get rid of those labeling laws so then it could tell you something that's butter that's not butter and margarine's, like he said, the worst example. When fat got vilified in like the 80s, thought it was terrible. Everyone's like, oh, bad fat, saturated fat will kill you, which is wrong. Here's a better option, vegetable oil and, mar- and margarine. And uh, all those brominated trans fats are fucking terrible for you. Um, if there's one food that people should avoid that they don't realize they should be avoiding, it's undeniably vegetable oils. Undeniable. And a brominated oil means it's derived at least in part from petroleum. So really don't want any brominated oils. And trans fats are bad. Aside from naturally occurring trans fats like in pork. But you don't know about that. It's like CLA. Congelated linoleic acid. It's different than the manufactured trans fat. So there it is. Meetober. Week 2. What I ate. What I felt. A food rule. Mindful moments. We're done. Thanks for checking it out. I'll check in with you next week when I'm hopefully still alive and haven't died from eating no sugar. Keep branching it, my friends. (laughs) 